change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podskiwiwi. I'm Josh Smith, and I'm Mike Graham. Mike, uh, how you doing, pal? It's been a it's been a lot less time since the last time we recorded than it was the previous time. So, what have you been up to? Having uh, obviously the holidays have just passed us, and uh, I know obviously uh, we couldn't. I, I don't know about you, but we couldn't really get together over here in Ontario. What what did you get oh. up to? Any fun? Any 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 maybe anything Ticats related or CFL related over your holidays? Uh, just what have you been up to? Well, my uh, my girlfriend got me a, a Dylan Wynn jersey. Oh, um, good pick. Yes, yes, very good pick. I never had a defense. It was, I was going to either go with the defensive line or the offensive line because, you know, the, and nothing wrong with getting a receiver or a quarterback, but that's the common choice, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd give, you know, show a little respect to those guys uh, in the trenches. So we got the Dylan Wynn jersey and got a, a new tie Cats hat as well. Um, the logo from you know, the, the glory days, Josh, the, uh, 1999, you know, the, the big face of the nice. Tigers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I know what you're talking about. The one that was on the shoulder. Very sharp. Yes, exactly. And, uh, I was very happy to have that. I finally, uh, my father went to the Grey Cup in 1999. He was, it must've been a couple of days before the Grey Cup. He was on the field getting, uh, autographs and talking to the Ticat players and he took a bunch of pictures. So. I've had them for years, and I finally got them framed. So, got them up on my tie cat wall. It looks really good. You know, I got Danny Mack and Mike Morreale, Darren Flutie, and then I got Ronnie Lancaster and the the at that time the future court coach uh, Orlando Steinhauer right beside each other. Uh, it, it's pretty cool stuff. So, a pretty unique um, piece of tie cat memorabilia. So, I was pretty happy with that. Are those the pictures you showed me when I came out there for Grey Cup? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, those are those are some pretty cool pictures. Uh, I myself, the only tie cat or CFL sort of ephemera that I got for for Christmas is uh, I was gifted the Grey Cup Festival 2021 scarf, and uh, which it's a sharp looking scarf. It's 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 a neat keepsake, and it just I, I got it. and I just thought, and I even tweeted out, I was like, uh, "Well, I hope this Grey Cup actually happens, or I'm going to look like an idiot in a few years." With right. This with well, this scarf that meant nothing but uh no it's a cool looking thing I, I i i think we talked about it the last time we recorded about the gray cup sort of branding and stuff i like the logo and i i'm, I'm excited I'm, I'm excited for for what i think is is going to actually be a season this year you and i were talking before we recorded about how some of the things that have been going on we uh we it kind of makes us feel like there's actually going to be some some CFL ball played this year. So I don't know. Get, getting that kind of pushes me in the direction of like, okay, let let's start getting the season going. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned the you know the Grey Cup scarf. My father got me a, a Grey Cup hoodie, a Grey Cup festival hoodie. It's still in the mail, but uh, 
I look forward to putting that on as well because I, I really like uh, what they did with the logo for that festival. Yeah, and it's our colors. It's the black and gold, so it's still exactly. uh, yep. you. You can wear it and not feel like you're uh, you're betraying your loyalties. Exactly. exactly. Um, I just want to turn back to something you you said. You got a Dylan Wynn jersey. Can can I can I posit that he is now the the favorite player of the of the show? Is that, is that fair to say? Because I don't think yeah. that there's a guy that you and I enjoy more than than Dylan Wynn. No, I would agree with that. That's one of the reasons, you know, why I got it. Well, first, first of all, he's a tremendous defensive lineman, tremendous football player. But, uh, you know, at least at one point, he did listen to Podsky Wee Wee. So, uh, you know, you got to give him credit for that. You That's know, listen true. To, uh, he did. Us two jackasses talk about uh, <laughs> his football team. So, uh, and we know that I believe his father listens to the show as well. So, uh, that's one of the main reasons why I got it. Just uh, you know, throw some support back his way. Yeah, he's. I remember when he signed. I, it was actually the episode we talked about when he signed. We gave him all this love, and he was like, "Hey, thanks for the shout out." And mm-hmm. again, we're not trying to pat ourselves on the back or anything, but he's he's just one of those players that like he isn't. Doesn't he? Like, I know he played for the Argos, but doesn't he just feel Hamilton? Like, doesn't yes. he? Doesn't he harken back to like the glory days? Mm-hmm. Like of of this team, where he's just like hard nosed lunch pail type of guy. I mean, he's got a little bit of style to him with with the sack dance that we all love, but yeah. it, he just feels like this is where he should be playing professional football mm-hmm. in the CFL. Yeah, he definitely has that tie cat feel to him, that tough interior defensive lineman that 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 you love to see in Hamilton. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, we have to talk about some some sad news. Mike, it's it's been one of our longest running gags. Mike Jones, who Mike Jones, and unfortunately he has now departed the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He wasn't offered a contract last year and remained a free agent until the Edmonton football team scooped him up earlier this week. It was a uh, it was a bit of a sad day for you and I. I, I, w- I think I can say rather uh, rather eloquently is is we're, we're going to miss those gags and, and I. I'm under the impression that the the MFMJ did not go over too well with members of his family, but mm-hmm. uh, it was all in good fun, and and there was some obviously some highlights, and obviously it's you know like when the ball hits him in the face and and stuff like that 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 we that we laughed at, but uh, I didn't gonna... laugh at the time. I was yelling. At <laughs> yeah, TV. you were. God you were. damn it! What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, I'm I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss having Mike Jones on the team so right. we could make our jokes. But uh, mm-hmm. as I was a ton of potential. He's yep, a yep. speedster out there, and uh, you know I still think he can, um, you know, make a, a really good career uh, out here in, in Edmonton. But uh, you know, sometimes you just have to let players go. He never really lived up to the hype that uh, he had here in Hamilton, and uh, I'm sure we'll find another really good Canadian to replace him. Yeah, and well, you're going to be going to all those Edmonton games, so you can you can keep up the tradition there. Uh, right. And and as I said uh, on Twitter, we bequeathed the, uh, the the Mike Jones jokes to our to our friends over at the Turf District podcast. So hopefully they will uh, they will keep the tradition going with, with, whenever Mike Jones makes a good play or a bad play, as as mm-hmm. Mike Jones is, is wont to do sometimes on the same set of downs. Yes, it's a very uh, very up and down player, but uh, I'm sure they'll they'll take it and run with it. Okay, uh, I guess we got to talk about the the elephant in the room, uh, Boomer Esiason. Mm. Boomer Esiason was doing what was it, Arizona and the LA Rams game yep. on CBS last week. Uh, 
in place of Tony Romo, Tony Romo was out with COVID or COVID-related symptoms or Tony Romo, something to do with COVID, Tony Romo couldn't call the game. So they bring in Boomer Esaias and do the game. And Chris Strevler, uh, a backup quarterback, and I should stress that he was a backup quarterback in the CFL, was saw some significant playing time. Kyler Murray, the starter for the Cardinals, went down. And what, he threw a really bad interception. I, honestly, I wasn't watching a game uh, because I don't care about the Cardinals or the Rams. Uh, but he threw, from my understanding, seeing how it blew up on Twitter, and and I follow a lot of CFL fans, as do you, uh, Strevler threw a, a pretty bad interception, and Boomer made some sort of comment about, this isn't the CFL, you can't just throw passes like that. And it started a shitstorm of anger from the CFL fans. Mike, where where do you kind of stand on this? Well, listen, you know, there, there's a perception out there by, um, you know, American football fans, Canadian fans of uh, football that the CFL is a bit of a, you know, um, how do I put this politely? It's, it's, it's a lower class type of football. It's not very good, blah, blah, blah. Um and that's fine. You can think whatever you want. But if you're going to diss the CFL, you should get it right. You know, he he said, this isn't the Grey Cup. This isn't the CFL. You can't just toss the ball up in the air and expect no one to come down with it. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's just incorrect. Like, CFL quarterbacks don't just it, – it's not a game of 500 up here in Canada, okay? They're not just tossing the ball up as high as you can throw it and hoping someone comes down with it. It's uh, – it was uh, – obviously, he's not very – you know, educated in CFL football, and he, he made the comment, and CFL fans are, are I will admit, are a bit sensitive. Uh, they like to defend um, our game, as do I. I'm not include, uh, excluding myself. Um, but the, the, the thing is, to me, just if you're going to you know throw stones, then uh, at least be correct about it. Chris Strebler was never a starting quarterback in the CFL, like you mentioned. He was never a great passer in the CFL. It just, I, I wish... If someone was out there to represent the CFL playing an NFL game, I wish it would have been someone else, someone who, you know, can actually throw the ball uh, decently. Yeah, like I know you're not a fan of his, but if that's Bo Levi Mitchell, he's not making a throw like mm-hmm. that. Like, no, Bo, like I don't, no. if it's Mike Riley, if it's if it's Zach Caleros, you could go down the list. But because here's the thing, like Chris Strebler got an opportunity with the Cardinals because he's similar to what they have in Kyler Murray. Obviously, you know, not as talented. Kyler Murray, Heisman Trophy winner, first overall pick. But he's similar in stature, in style to what they like. Kyler Murray, I believe, led the Cardinals in rushing touchdowns this year. So he he is a quarterback that can move. And that's kind of what Strebler is. Like, Strebler, like, if you were to, if you were to rank back in 2019 all of the quarterbacks on the roster, where where would Strevler have ranked? 12th, 13th? Like, you would have taken every starting quarterback in the league you would have taken over him, so there's nine. Now you throw in Dane Evans, so there, now you're at 10. Uh, Nick Arbuckle in Calgary, so now you're at 11. So Strevler's 12, maybe? Would you would you have taken, like, you got you got Matt Nichols, you would have taken him over him, even though he was yeah, hurt. Yeah, I would have. Um, would, would you have taken James Franklin over Chris Strebler? You probably would have. Like, yeah. Strebler's in that, like, 12, 13, 14, 15 best quarterback. Like, he was never he, – he got some spot starts with Winnipeg when Matt Nichols went out, I believe it was in 2018. I remember he played a game here in Hamilton. The Ticats, like, kind of kicked their ass, quite frankly. Um, 
I understand why the comments because the comments come from a place of ignorance and it's it's an easy jab. Oh, we played in Canada. You must not be that good. Ha ha ha. And I'm uh-huh. I'm tired of that junk too. Like I hear that from from people I consider friends. They don't like the CFL and that's fine. Like it doesn't have to be for everyone. You don't have just because I, I think it's silly that you like football and don't try to like all of the football. You know what I mean? Like I like the NFL. I like the CFL. I, I like college football. Like I tr- if, if football's on, I, I'm I'm trying to watch it because I love the game. But what I, I feel like a lot of people defend the CFL so vociferously because they're worried about the perception that the league has. And I understand mm-hmm. that. The thing that the reason the boomers comments twofold didn't bother me. One, I don't care what Boomer Sison has to say. I especially don't care what Boomer Sison has to say about CFL. Because as you said, this comes from a place of ignorance. This comes from a place of he's uneducated. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So to those who know the CFL, you hear these things and you go, you don't, you don't have a clue. And two, the CFL bashing that I don't like is when it can influence potential new fans. Or, mm, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Boomer Esiason's comments were essentially... In in the like yes we in Canada get get some get obviously get to watch the NFL but they're essentially aimed at an American audience. Boomer Esiason's comments were not going to change anyone's opinion on the CFL. They weren't going to the people who think it's it's a joke are going to continue to think that regardless of what Boomer Esiason said, and they're not going to not watch the CFL because of it. And the people who love the CFL like you and I, we're not not going to watch the CFL because Boomer Esiason thinks it's a joke. We think that he's a joke and it's stupid for what he's you know what I mean like. This had to me has no bearing on any t- anyone's continued or lack of fandom. Boomer Esiason didn't sway anyone in either direction. It's not like a guy who's a guy or girl who's been watching the CFL for a couple of years, let's say, uh, is watching this Rams Cardinals game, and Boomer goes, "Oh, look!" Like basically, I'm paraphrasing. Oh, look at that! What a junk throw! That that CFL crap. And going, you know what? He's right. I'm not going to watch the CFL. Like he's not going to change anyone's mind. He's not, he's not, his, his comments aren't going to force anyone to watch the game. They're not going to force anyone away from the game. It's, it's perpetuating the stereotype that the CFL is not good football, which to me, I've never understood that as an argument because a lot of these guys, and I always think of Terrence Tolliver when I think of this, because Terrence Tolliver played at LSU. Brandon Banks, who we're going to talk about in a second. Brandon Banks played at Kansas State. Braylon Addison, who we're also going to talk about, played at Oregon. Braylon Addison nearly played in a national championship game. Like Jeremiah Mazzoli played in the friggin' Rose Bowl. Like some Jalen, Jalen, Marshall, Jalen Marshall played at Ohio played State. Ohio State. Like, yeah. <laughs> like we Chris Chris Fry, who's another guy we're gonna talk about, played at Michigan State. Like these are big time schools. And it's and these guys were stars on they were starters and stars for their collegiate teams who who these same people who guys like boomer esiason i guarantee you boomer esiason watches college football watches ohio state football probably saw jalen marshall play and yet now that he's playing in canada all of a sudden he's a bum and can't like it, it's it's such a bizarre like sort of cognitive dissonance where people are like oh he was awesome when he played in college but now he plays in canada oh, i don't want to watch that but they would have watched him play in college it doesn't make it just doesn't make any sense to me but that's kind of getting off the point my main point is Boomer Esiason's comments didn't change anyone's opinion on the CFL. It just kind of entrenched the opinions that people already had. Yeah, and it's just throwing another insult in the CFL 
insult barrel. Yeah, but it, this yeah. one I think means even less than like I know people like to talk about like guys like Arash Madani. Some people talk about my they say that I'm I'm too hard on the CFL, and and I can be, and I'll admit that. Um, but at the same time, it's like I feel like our criticism comes from a place of of because like you you're critical of the league too. It's not like you're mm-hmm. like Mister mm-hmm. Raw Raw CFL could do no wrong. No. I think our, ours comes from at least a place of where we're educated, whereas Boomer Esiason's comments come from just, he just doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. And that's yeah. why they didn't, it didn't bother me as much as it, it seemed to bother a lot of other people, which I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to downplay their, like their feelings. Like if this, if these comments bother you, you're that's totally valid. But I just, when I reflected on it, I was just like, I just don't give a crap what he has to say. Right. Yeah. And I can see that point. I mean, yeah, it doesn't really matter what he says. You're just like, you know, it's on a national broadcast. And I, I like, obviously, you were not going to, it's not that important to get American fans. But uh, I don't know. I just feel like if nobody says anything, then people are like, oh, and CFL, no one has, you know, there's no fans for the CFL. But if we that's say fair. something, no, nope. yeah, then if then we say something, then. No, nope, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't You can't know. win. But no, in, in this yeah. scenario, it seemed like you could never win. No, exactly. So, but, th- but that kind of feels like, life as a CFL fan, right? Like no matter what you try to do to convince people, mm-hmm. you're always kind of up against it. And that's why, right. I, that's why I think fan, CFL fans are so defensive, defensive. about the right. league. It's not because I think they feel inferior. Cause I don't feel in like, I'm a CFL fan because I love the game of football and I love, I love watching the CFL right. and, I, and I, I don't make any, any qualms about that. Like I don't, I don't apologize for that. I love the CFL. I love the NFL. I and love it, the NCAA. I love it all. I, Right. And at the same time, there there is some, you know, out there CFL fans that claim things that are just ridiculous. Yes. Like, yeah. Know, it, we could, they could, we could be NFL teams or something like that. But. Yeah. Society over the last few years has shown us that there are a lot of insane people that believe some insane things. And that's, it's not exclusive to the CFL or it does, does like, not infect the CFL. Yeah, exactly. We should just, it's, it's hard sometimes for me personally to just, you know, accept that people don't like it um but i think that's what i'm gonna have to do is just you know you just like what you like and you know you can't it's there's nothing wrong with people not liking it but um you know it's just the the punching bag aspect of it kind of gets me down sometimes no, but. and you know what i'm glad there's fans out there that want to fight back against this stuff mm-hmm. i do because i i i it it, it grows t- it, the the constant negativity surrounding the cfl of which i am always guilty of it is exhausting and it's like right it almost feels like you have to apologize for being a fan and you know what you know what being a cfl fan kind of reminds me of and you you can relate to this being a wrestling fan wrestling right. being a wrestling fan is not mainstream even though like wwe is like everyone knows what it is and it's like a you know a billion dollar company that's traded on the new york stock exchange being a wrestling fan is kind of like you're always constantly defending why you watch that fake crap you know what i mean and it feels like as a football fan who watches the cfl you're constantly forced to kind of like why would you watch that when you can watch the nfl and it's like okay but but why why would i watch a marvel movie when i can watch a dc movie or why would i watch a van damme movie when i can watch a schwarzenegger like you can like different things like i think society this is kind of getting off on a tangent here. Everyone's so focused on telling people what they should and shouldn't like, whether it's food or entertainment or music or, in this case, the football league you follow. 
it's just it's grown tiresome with me. So I just I try not to engage with it because it's just like, what's the point? You you like what you yeah. like, enjoy it. Yep. If you like it, that's awesome. If I don't, that's cool. Like I I I'm not gonna not be friends with someone or talk to someone because we have a different opinion on something that's, and at the end of the day, not that important we love the cfl we will always love the cfl boomers comments be damned so i Mm -hmm. I just feel like but i do i understand where you're coming from it just feels like it feels like being a wrestling fan where you're constantly defending why you watch it and i that's it's it's exhausting right and i I, you know i've been um getting some criticism a bit on twitter because i've been you know um I want to say realistic about the CFL that, you know, it's, it's a bit of a, of a joke nationally to your regular sports fan. And that's not my opinion personally. You know how much I love the CFL. It's like my number one sport. It's like the Tiger Cats are basically the only team that I really follow and really care about. Um, yeah, honestly, I'm, I've known you how long and I couldn't name another professional sports team that you are a fan of. I think you were a Canadians I, fan. Yeah, I am. But it's not. It's not the same. I, no, I'm not attached to them as as much as the Tiger Cats. So, um, yeah. So I just I you know I get down on the league sometimes because it seems like I'm I don't know what it is, but I'm you know there's, it's like I'm I'm a magnet to uh, CFL haters or something. It's just like everywhere I go, there's someone telling me how much you know how crappy the CFL is, and it's just annoying. And then I just go overboard on Twitter, and people call me a CFL hater. <laughs> it's just. It's uh, yeah. never anything, but um, you and I have spent how many just, hours sitting here doing this for uh, free, right. and we hate the league. It, that just because yeah. you're critical of something or realistic of something doesn't mean you hate. Like we obviously don't hate the league, but it, it's funny you bring that up because I obviously I've gotten really into Canadian soccer over the last couple of years. This year in particular, because there wasn't anything else to watch in the summer, I, I engaged a lot with the Canadian soccer community, and the one thing I find is. And now, now I've since been told that I, that I'm just lucky in who I interact with. I never see people talk about the CPL and go, well, you know, it's fun and all, but it it's not the Premier League, it's not Syria, it's not the Bundesliga. Like for some reason, soccer fans in this country can love MLS, can love the English league, can love the Spanish league, can love the CPL. And they're not constantly trying to compare it to one another. They understand this is the level we're watching and it's, I like soccer, so I'm going to watch as much as I can. For some reason with football, and maybe it's just a North, maybe maybe because soccer is more international and in soccer, you know that there's like a premier league and like a first division, second division, so on and so forth, that you're used to different levels of play. But it seems like with football, you just deal with, oh, if you're not watching the NFL, it doesn't matter. And yeah. it, it, cause even in hockey, like you don't ever hear people bash the AHL or the OHL or this, you know what I mean? Like mm. you accept it for what it is. And while I think this, I, I actually, I don't think I know the CFL is the second best professional football league in the world. Yes. It's a, it's a notch below the NFL. There's nothing wrong with being a notch below the NFL. It's still damn good fucking entertainment. And I'm just, mm-hmm. I just don't understand why football fans can't, can't learn to enjoy it all right like, and why I think does like it have the, to be one versus the other yeah i know it doesn't make sense but maybe it's a combination of you know not nfl standard players plus the the rules and the different field size and like people if 
if like it's maybe, not, maybe maybe if this was just like an NFL feeder system and it was the right. same rules as the NFL, maybe people would look at it. Yeah, that could be. Maybe maybe like it's like a, both those things, right? It's, they're not NFL players. And what's with the quirky rules? What's with the field goal post and you know at the front of the end zone? What's with the the rouge? What's with the you know the big field? What's with the waggle? What's blah blah? You know all this all these differences that they think is quirky, but it's not really quirky. We're not. They didn't look at the NFL game and go, okay, that that's good, but let's change this all up. They you know they grew together the American and the Canadian game, and that's just how we originated it, right? So um, it could be a combination of both things. All right. I think we spent too much time on on some jackass Americans comment yes. on our league. Let's talk about our league and let's talk about all the great stuff that happened with our Hamilton Tiger Cats basically over the course of about a week and a half. They announced on Twitter uh, a couple of days before Christmas Eve that from Christmas Eve to New Year's Eve, they're going to make a, a major announcement every day. And, you know, sometimes you, you wonder if things like this are going to under deliver or or deliver these over delivered Mike they announced so many player signings so many coaches signings I don't think we're gonna have time to cover them all we're gonna we're we're gonna focus on the big ones and obviously with the Ticats it starts at the top and well who's at the top is the reigning most outstanding player Brandon Banks signing a one-year contract extension to be with the team in 2021 and that came on the back of Braylon Addison signing a two-year deal to come back to the Ticats after trying out with the Minnesota Vikings last year Mikey, 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 the Killer Bees—they're back. This is this is this receiving core. If just these two looks awesome. Yeah, no kidding. Then you add in some of the other guys, some of the younger guys that are coming up that uh, have all the talent in the world and could be dangerous as well. I, I love Brandon Banks. I'm I'm ecstatic that he's back. Um, at 33 years old, he can still he's still fast. He's still you know he's still the same player that he's always been in my opinion. But to bring back Braylon Addison, the the productivity of this guy was tremendous back in 2019. You know, uh, over 1,200 yards receiving, 558 yards after catch. That that's incredible. That's like that's almost half his receiving yards. Seven touchdowns, an average of 13 yards per catch, and a long of 76. I mean, Brandon Banks, Braylon Addison. You, you, you know, who's going to have more yards? Who's going to be more productive? Uh, I'm not sure, but I I can guarantee you that that both of them are going to put up you know, huge stats for this team. I know 2019 was a long time ago now, but there was a point in the season, but midway through that season where there was a legitimate conversation. It was after Mazzoli went down. Could Braylon Addison be this team's MOP? And that, mm-hmm. and, and then Brandon Banks, you know, like they were neck and neck and Brandon Banks, obviously, you know, would, would be the team's nominee and obviously go on to win the league award. But Braylon Addison put together one hell of a year for the Ticats in 2019 he came on strong 2018, uh, came in, Banks got hurt actually, and was kind of what allowed Addison to sort of get his feet wet in 2018 in the playoffs and put out a couple games and then just kind of took over in 2019. He To call him just a receiver I think is a disservice to what he He's a weapon. He's an offensive weapon. He runs the ball. He can throw the ball. He obviously can catch the ball. This This guy is a jack of all trades and a master of almost all of them as well. Mm-hmm. To have these two guys back in the lineup with the return of Jalen Acklin, who signed a new deal, Marcus Tucker, who I think can be a very, very solid player in this league, Jalen Marshall, who we talked about, he's also coming back. Maybe they bring back Devere Posey. There's going to be some sort of Canadian contingent in the receiving core. You, you start to look at, you have these two guys, just Banks and Addison, and you go, okay, let's fill out the rest of everything behind them. And you just look at these two and go, okay, there's your two leading receivers for next year. 
And this offense looks, weapon-wise, just as deadly as it did the last time we saw him on the field. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that really stood out to me when Braylon Addison was with the Ticats a couple of years ago was his route running. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he doesn't have the speed of, uh, of Brandon Banks. He's still a very fast dude, don't get me wrong. But his route running was outstanding. He could get open with, uh, you know, going up against any DB in this league. So um, to have the combination of Speedy B, you know, with all that uh, all that speed on the field and then Braylon Addison doing his uh, route running, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch. Best one-two combo in the league at receiver. Oh, that's uh, throwing. That's uh, I mean, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, I can't think of any two that are better together. So. And then you throw Jalen Acklin in as a as a third, and he's a he's an up and coming star and a hell of a weapon as well. So it's it's going to be a dangerous receiving core. Bringing back Braylon was uh, I, I didn't expect it. I thought maybe he'd stick around in the NFL for a couple more years, but to get him back uh, in a tie cat uniform is uh, pretty damn exciting. Yeah, and to get him back, so he was the Christmas Day signing. I was actually at my uh-huh. parents' house. Uh, I think it was after breakfast and I'm just, okay, we're kind of just, everyone's just chilling out. We're, you know, in that we ev- gifts have been opened, but we're not at the, like, let's, let's start partying sort of phase of Christmas day. All right, let's scroll through Twitter. And I'm like, Braylon Addison, like the tie cats were like, Oh, Braylon Addison has a message. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of neat that, you know, cause sometimes mm-hmm. they reach out to former players and all that other sorts of stuff. And then I'm watching the video and he's like, he's wearing a tie cat shirt. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And then he says something like, "Oh, I'm 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 back for two more years," and it's like, "Wait, what?" Like I immediately stopped watching the video. I'm like, "Hey, Dad, Braylon Addison coming back?" And I was like, "Oh, that's awesome!" Like, it's just uh, it was it was a, a like it's not it's shocking but not surprising because I think if he was coming back to the CFL, Hamilton it was a logical landing point. I think we're going to see with a lot of guys this year. I think we're going to see a lot less movement amongst free agents this year simply because I think guys know that the money's not going to be huge to jump ship. And if they have a chance to stay where they're comfortable and where they know, I think they're going to be more likely to, to stick around. But I still think it was a huge, huge coup to get to get Addison back under contract. And for two years, it's like a, a lot of these guys are signing one-year deals, which I understand. And that, you know, we can have the discussion on, on the one-year deals and how they're bad for the league and all that stuff another time if you want. But uh, they, they are what they are. But Addison signing for two years, it's one of those things where – it makes you wonder, okay, after two years, he'll be what, 29, 30? Mm-hmm. Like, is he, is he giving up on his NFL dreams or is he going to make, maybe make one last opportunity, like one last stab after this contract? And if so, it's like, is he going to be a CFL lifer? And if he's a CFL lifer, he's probably going to spend most of his career with the Tiger Cats. And it's, oh, it gets you a little excited. Yeah, that's a very good thing for the Tiger Cats. Uh, okay. It wasn't just those two, although those were the two biggest names on, on offense. We, we mentioned Acklin, Tucker, and Marshall are coming back. I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what the latter two can do, maybe given a little bit more playing time. Uh, they didn't see a ton of time on the field in 2019, but I, I think, like we talked about, Jalen Marshall went to Ohio State for crying out loud. Like, it's not like they produce crappy football players. And Marcus Tucker's a Michigan guy, so it's like there, there, there's, there, there's some talent there. But Acklin's the big one that I think bringing him back is – I think we've just seen him scratch the surface of what he can become. He was obviously the team's most outstanding rookie nominee in 2019. I think I think he's a guy that can uh, 
at, at some point when, when, when a guy like Brandon Banks maybe gets a little long in the tooth and has to call it a career, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Acklin's type of guy that could take his spot, not be Brandon Banks, but be that go-to guy, that, uh-huh. that, that number one receiver in this offense. I, I think he's got a world of talent, and I'm really excited to see kind of what they can cook up for him in his second year with the team. Yeah, same here. He's uh, he's an exciting player to watch, and uh, yeah, I think that uh, he, he, I'm not sure how old he is, but he's, I'm pretty sure he's pretty damn young, and uh, he has a lot to give to this team. He's going to be the third option, but uh, I think even uh, the third option on, on the Tiger Cats is going to get a lot of balls thrown his way. Oh, I, I very easily see 3,000-yard receivers for the Tiger Cats yeah. this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why not four, you know? Well, I mean, you know, there's 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 Devere Posey still sitting out there who they brought in right. last year yes. and never got a chance to play, but there's an opportunity maybe to to bring him back. And the reason I say that is because you know, flipping to some more players, Don Jackson resigned the running back who we got from Calgary last year. Uh, never played for the Tie Cats, but signed a, another one year deal to to come back and 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 actually suit up in the black and gold. But he's not the only running back that came back. Jackson Bennett, as you so eloquently put, my boy, who I am a big fan of. But the one that I'm most excited about, and I'm not to say I'm not excited about Don Jackson because I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do with an expanded role. Sean Thomas Erlington ain't in a new deal to come back. We talked about the one-two punch of Banks and Addison, the one-two punch of Jackson and Erlington. Oh, that is going to be a nightmare for opposing defenses. Yeah, and the thing about uh, Thomas Erlington is there's been some great Canadian running backs in this league, you know, the Cornishes and <clears throat> Andrew Harris, I guess. And, uh, you know, those guys are, are great running backs, but they're not exciting. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Sean Thomas Erlington is making plays out there that make you stand up out of your seat. Uh, you know, big plays, you know, jumping over guys, doing all this. And he's a great uh, pass catcher as well. So uh, I, the injury was, was unfortunate for him. I'm hoping that he is 100% healthy and ready to come back and uh, be the same guy that he was in his rookie season because – um, I haven't been that excited about a running back since since CJ Gable in his in his prime years with the Tiger Cats and and then the icing on the cake is he's Canadian obviously. Yeah, it feels like he was on the verge of becoming the next great Canadian running back. And I know that's a lot to to put on a guy after just a few games, but man, he looked tremendous in in I think it was four games he played in 2019. And for an 8th round pick, like that's the thing too that I think also endears him to a lot of a lot of guys a lot of fans, that is. Uh, Eighth-round picks don't become starting players in the CFL very often. They're career special teams guys, if they ever even see the field outside of a training camp. Him becoming, on the verge of becoming a superstar, and again, this is a lot to put on a guy who ha- who has very limited game film. That That's huge. I, I, the thing that always stands out to me is it was the, the Ric Flair game. He caught a touchdown pass against the BC Lions in that playoff game where they brought in Ric Flair, and he does the Flair strut, and it's like, that's my guy. Any, <laughs> anyone who's out there doing the struts and the woos, it, that, that's my guy. Like, if you if you bring in wrestling to my CFL, you're, you're, you are you're got a fan for life. I, just, I, think the, I think this guy's got a world of talent. I think, much like Acklin, we've only seen him scratch the surface. I think I think he's got again. I like the fact that they're going to be using more than likely a two-headed combo here with Jackson and and, and STE. I think I think that he can be if ever given the opportunity to truly be a bell cow back. I think he can succeed. Yeah, and you know the Tiger Cats have brought back, like we talked about uh, Jackson and Erlington, a lot of really good Canadian talent. Yep. And if we jump into the the next couple of signings, yeah, you know, Mike Daly, Courtney Steven, 
Curtis Newton, some some solid veteran special teams guys that are these are the types of signings that go a little under the radar. But Mike Daly might be if he's not the best, he's he's in the conversation as one of the best special teams guys in the entire CFL. A guy who started at safety for this team, I believe it was twenty eighteen, and then the Ty Cats bring in Tunde Adelike. He starts over him. Mike Daly doesn't complain. Goes back to his role in special teams and excels. Courtney Steven was beaten out by Mike Daly in 2018 as the team's starting safety. <clears throat> what does Courtney Steven do? Goes on to become the team's nominee for most outstanding special teams player. So these guys aren't, they're not what you would call uh, like marquee signings, but these are important depth glue signings that I think these are the ones that you look at later and go, that was a good, it was a good idea bringing that guy back. Right. Exactly there. I mean, you mentioned <laughs> the great, great special teams players, but also at one point we're starters in this league. And if, and if need be, can start again, you know, if there's injuries or whatnot. Yeah. Mike Daly can start in safety. Courtney Steven can start in a number of positions in the secondary. Yeah, so it's not, exactly. not these guys aren't just special teams guys. That's where they no. will more than likely contribute the most. But they can play if, if called upon on defense. Yeah, it's um, great, great depth signing. Uh, you know, to have guys behind guys that could be starters um, doesn't happen very often in the CFL, and uh, we're pretty lucky to have them back. Yeah, like if, if let's say Devere Posey does end up getting brought back, a guy like Marcus Tucker, who can probably start on a number of teams in this league, will be a backup. And that's not a knock on Marcus Tucker. Devere Posey's great cup MVP, like another Ohio State guy, by the way. Um, you you look at a guy like Tucker and go, man, he could start on like three or four teams in this league, and he's a backup on tight. It just shows you the depth that the Tie Cats tend to, tend to over the last couple of years have been accumulating. Yeah. Um, another kind of a big name signing that I don't think a lot of people think is a big name signing is Julian Hauser signing a new two year deal. This is kind of the forgotten man on what I call the four horsemen of the sack apocalypse with uh, Wynn, Ted Laurent, Jared uh, Davis, and then it's Hauser on the other end. He's kind of the forgotten man. You're like Jared Davis is 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 the you know the top five player on the team. Ted Laurent is one of the best, if not the best, interior defensive lineman in the league, and Dylan Wynn's right there with him. You kind of forget about Hauser, but he's had a stellar start to his career with the Tie Cats, and this is a guy that I think can can produce even more in 2021. So. Again, a, a deal where he's not a household name, but he damn well could be before the for too long. Yeah, it's a great pairing with Shigar Davis, you know, on the other end, and uh, you know they work together. And Hauser uh, just going to benefit from that relationship. You know what I mean? So uh, the defensive line uh, is a stacked group, in my opinion. On the inside, on the outside, we don't have any weaknesses. Yeah, another defensive lineman, Lorenzo Malden, is a guy that they brought back, uh, former NFL player with the New York Jets. Uh, they brought. Uh, we talked about Chris Chris Fry earlier. He's been brought back. Tyrese Beverett, the linebacker, has been brought back. And then just uh, earlier today, as we record this on Thursday, quarterback Hayden Moore was was signed to a new one year deal. So the Ticats are still making moves. Again, these aren't. These are going to be guys that are probably going to see some spot duty on defense, but mostly contribute on special teams. Outside of Moore, Moore's not going to be a special teams guy as a, as a third string quarterback, but you see sort of where this team is is developing and you see all these guys wanting to come back. It's uh, I think it bodes well for us going into the next season. Mm -hmm. There's still some guys out there that we need to sign, but uh, you're right. It's a, it's a really good start to this, um, you know, leading into free agency. 
And we we all know that the the Tiger Cat fans want to see something. You know, everyone signed uh, as soon as possible. Uh, we see it every year, but uh, I think they've done a hell of a job early on. Well, we go through this. I'm glad you brought that up because we go through this every single year. The CFL will be like this year. It was it was more like bombastic, and it's like the moratorium on signing players has ended. You can now sign players, and the Tiger Cats did nothing. It did nothing, and you see the comments from fans who are just like. Oh my God, can we sign someone? Oh my God, why are we not signing one? Oh my God, no one's coming back. And we go through this and we we do this dance every single year where nothing happens, nothing happens, nothing happens. And then boom, Berkey and Alamang flop out their giant free agency pecker and say, oh, we didn't do anything? Oh, here's Brandon Banks. Oh, here's Braylon Addison. Yeah. Oh, a uh, year goes. Oh, here's a, a contract extension for Jeremiah Mazzoli. Like, can we stop? Like I understand, like we want news as soon as possible, and we 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 want to know our guys, quote unquote, are coming back. But my God, can we just stop with the questioning about the Tie Cats not doing anything? Because every year people question it, and then every year they look like dullards because you get these big name signings not too long after. Yeah, yeah. Like I said in uh, on Twitter a couple weeks ago, everyone wants to see people signed. You know, good players signed, our players signed. But I have confidence in the in Duralamang and Burke that uh, every year they're going to bring back guys we need to be successful. That's just their track record has been phenomenal with this team, and uh, that's why I don't get worked up that uh, no one's been signed. You know, the first ten days that they could have been. <laughs> that's how I feel too. And speaking of Berkey and Alamang. Uh, they will continue to be making these decisions for the Ticats going forward as amongst the slew of player news, the Ticats also made a bunch of front office and coaching news, essentially bringing everybody back. Uh, Sean Burke and Drew Alleman got new deals. Orlando Steinhauer got an extension. We saw Tommy Condell, Mark Washington, and Jeff Reinbold all get, all get contract extensions. So basically the band from 2019 is back together in 2021 and if we're even as close to being as good two years ago as we as we are this year, we're laughing. Yeah, it's it's great to have all these guys back. You know, we love Tommy Condell. Um, I think one of the big reasons why um, in the Ken Austin era we were so successful in offense was because of Tommy Condell. He left, and you know things kind of went off the rail offensively. So he's back, and it, it's great to have him back. Jeff Reinbold, you know, we love him. At this show, he's he's best a tremendous in the game. best, best, in, best the game in the game at what he does. Yep, yeah, he's he's always thinking of uh, new ideas, you know, new gimmicks to, uh, well, maybe not gimmick, just just ways to fool the other team on special teams. You know, the onside kicks and all that, all that great stuff. Mark Washington did a great job in his first year as a Ticats defensive coordinator. I felt so, and of course, Orlando Steinhauer. Um, I don't think you could ask for a better head coach in the league. I know that there's there's head coaches with more credentials, you know, more, obviously more championships to their credit, but uh, this guy's going to be a championship coach in the future, and we can only hope it's with the Ticats. Yeah, what did you think, kind of getting off topic a little bit here, about the the Jason Lacanfora, uh news drop about a few CFL coaches being like kind of dark horse candidates for NFL jobs and, and Coach O being one of those guys? Yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, you know, it's good for him. Um, I think he's going to be with the team for for a while. But uh, um, down the road, you know, if the opportunity's there, you, you can't blame him for taking it. And if it's there, then I'll, I'll be happy for him. But uh, hopefully, win a couple of Grey Cups uh, in the meantime. But yeah, I think that you know, going down south to uh, where do you go in the, uh, the college football scene? Uh, Fresno uh, State. 
Fresno State, he did a, from what I've read, he did a tremendous job with that defense. So um, that might have caught some eyeballs as well. I know Fresno State isn't exactly the, uh, you know, the biggest program in college football, but uh, anytime you can go to the States and get, and do good things, I think it uh, bodes well for the future. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, I think he went down there and they, because Jeff Tedford became the head coach and they lured uh, Orlando Steinauer down there to be the defensive coordinator. And they went from like, three and nine to like 11 and one the next year or something like that. Like they, they, yeah. they had this like incredible turnaround and then the Ticats were able to bring him back. Now, again, I don't know how many people know this, but like Orlando Steiner came back to the CFL because he wanted to be live in this area. Um, I mean, ter- the idea, the possibility of turning down an NFL co- head coaching opportunity, I can't see him doing that. Like if someone comes knocking from the NFL and says, we want you to coach our team, he'd be silly not to take it. But mm-hmm. I do know the lifestyle of the CFL and living in Southern Ontario is something that he greatly values. So that's one of the reasons that he ended up coming back here from because he was like with what he did at Fresno State in just one year, he was on the fast track to being like, okay, he's going to start moving up the ladder. Like he probably would have taken over a program in college at some point in the near future. Mm-hmm. But he decided that the CFL was kind of where he wanted to be. Obviously, that's not going to stop him from taking an NFL job if one is offered to him. But it would, it would not surprise me to see him stay up here for the rest of his career. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Just because I, knowing what I know, this, 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 the CFL is kind of what he, it's, it's everything he wants. It gives, it allows him some off time. It allows him to be involved in football. It just kind of gives him the lifestyle that he would like to live. So, you know, the, the NFL, especially as a head coach is a, it's a 24, seven, three sixty five yeah, grind. It's, it's, yep, yep. it's it, 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 it's not that in the CFL for, for, for good. Honestly, I, I think that having a, a good work life balance, even as a professional athlete or professional coach is a good thing. I think that's one of the, the things that I think that that separates the CFL is that you don't have to be, immersed in it 24 seven, there is mm-hmm. an opportunity to get away. And I, I think that that can appeal to a lot of guys because there are a lot of good coaches that have come into the CFL. Like you don't think Don Matthews could have coached an NFL team. Like, of course he could have, he could have been a head coach somewhere like, but the CFL kind of spoke to what he wanted to be as a coach. So he, he stayed in the CFL. So again, maybe one day we lose him down to the NFL. And if so, just like with the players, I'll wish him the best of luck. But as long as he's here, I'm going to be happy that he's still done on the black and gold. Yeah, I definitely don't think it's going to be, you know, next year or no. something like that. I think that he, there is eyes on him, and uh, depending on how well he does with this team, um, it could happen in the future. But, uh, yeah, I don't see it happening in the immediate future. So just, like, all of the stuff that came out, all of the, the signings of, of the coaches more in particular, which is the one that, like, just tickled you the best? Well, it's got to be bringing back the dentist, Dr. Jan Chit Hallen. <laughs> that was a big one, you know. I'm, I'm glad we have her back because uh, you got to take care of those teeth, you know. Got to take no, care of those fun- teeth. It's just funny because I go to the coaching staff is listed on the Ticats website and I'm scrolling down and, the, you know, they have the scouts and the the medical staff and everybody is uh, everybody's in there. So, in my opinion, the dentist and the radiologist, I mean, those are those are big pickups. <laughs> No, but uh, you're asking me like the biggest coaching signing, basically the one that you know tickled my fancy the most. Yeah, the one that got you the yeah. most excited. Yeah, I think uh, it would have to be. I think it has to be Orlando. Um, 
you know, I love all the coordinators, but but Orlando is a head coach that uh, has a ton of potential. He he's a players coach. The players love playing for him. It's gonna. He's like he's like a college uh, recruiter kind of. You know, yeah. The 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 players like him. They want to come back. They want to be part of this team. And a big reason is because of him. So that's the one that really uh, got me excited. Do you think he's so good so soon and i'm going to lump dave dickinson into this as well because dave dickinson has had maybe the best start to a head coaching career of of anyone like his first what was it first three years he went to the great cup all three years and he won one like his win-loss record is out of this world do you think that because they're so fresh from their playing days like orlando sanhar i think is 46 years old and Dave Dickinson's probably also in his mid-40s. Do you think that because they're so... The game... It wasn't that long ago that they were on the field that they can still speak to today's athlete? Like, because obviously there's been a change in how sort of coaching and you're seeing a lot of... Like, we talked about the Arizona Cardinals. They have Cliff Kingsbury as their head coach. I think he's like 41. Sean McVay for the Rams is like 34. Like, you're seeing younger coaches. Now, Now, Cliff Kingsbury did play... He didn't really play professional football. I mean, he was like, I think he played for the Bombers, and I think he was like maybe on the Patriots or something for a short spell. But he was, he, you know, he went to Texas Tech, and he had a pretty prolific career in, in college. Do you think some of these younger guys, and, and I'm going to lump a guy like Orlando Steinhauer into that, do you think they have so much success because they're still, they're able to engage the players on a a much more equal basis? Like, we, yeah. we love Ken Austin, but Ken Austin was very much removed from his playing days. And it was a different sort of league and a different sort of like environment that he came from versus what we see today. Now, Mm -hmm. Steinhauer's obviously like, not like he retired and then became head coach. He's been retired for a while now. But do you think that because his playing days aren't so far in the rearview mirror that he can still stay kind of current with what we see with like the current crop of players? Like he's, Mm -hmm. he the age difference between like him and Chris Van Zyl is the same age difference between like me and my brother. Like, you know what I mean? Like Chris Van Zyl's 37, 38 years old. And he's like, that, that's not a big difference. Like I'm actually, I'm pretty sure Orlando Steiner and Chris Van Zyl were teammates at one point, if I'm not mistaken. Like, do you think that that might have something to do with why he's been so successful? And like, because by extension, like Dave Dickinson, like you think of Steiner out of 15 and three his rookie season as a head coach. Dickinson obviously had how many wins is that have the stamps won? Do you think that that might might play a role in it? The fact that they're so fresh from the field that they can still engage with the players in in sort of a player to player way, even though they're the head coach. Yeah, I, I totally think that. I think that uh, the players coming up, it's it's a different generation. You know what I mean? And I don't want to sound like a like Crusty an old, old fart here. Yeah, but it's a different generation. That that you know, grabbing by the face mask, constantly screaming type of coaching just doesn't really fly anymore. Like you mentioned, like the young guys in the NFL that are coaching, um, I don't think that they're they're screaming all the time, and I think they're more of a players' coach. They can relate better to these players, this younger generation. And uh, not saying that they're not as tough or anything like that. Times have just changed. Players don't respond as well to getting smacked around or, or constantly getting yelled at. So yeah, I think it's a I think it's a big deal to have a coach that is level headed and can relate to the youth. Well, and that was always considered, like, the, the hard-ass was always kind of considered the the football standard. And mm-hmm. what's the worst 
Ticat season you can remember in the last few years. It was it was the the George Cortez year. Mm-hmm. Like I think that was probably even more disappointing than the the zero and eight start that one year. And, and wasn't like, Screamy Screamy McYelly the defensive? Yeah, Casey Crehan was like just yeah. cursing and screaming. I remember I went to a yes. to a training camp and he's just like the, the just screaming at guys and it's like at some point that wears thin and. I'm not saying that that because like I've I've been at practices where I've heard Jeff Reinbold tear a strip off someone, but it's right. it it's feels about. more teachable, if that makes sense. Like it feels yeah. like he might be yelling, but at the same time, it's like once you're through with the anger, then you say, okay, here's how we correct things, and everything kind of goes back to normal. Right. I don't know. It, just, it it feels like like football has changed. I think we can all agree that football has changed, and in a lot of ways for the better. Some ways not so much, but a lot of ways for the better. I think we're seeing coaches now become I'll equate it to, to my own, my own job there to motivate you motivate different people in different ways. What might motivate you, how to, how to get to you to get you to do a better job might not work for me and vice versa. And it might not work for the guy next to you or the girl next to you. You know what I mean? Like you have to understand how to engage people in how to discipline them, how to teach them in the way that is best. Like there are visual learners and there are book learners and there are, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's so, we know so much now about how you teach people in different ways that it feels like guys who are so new to the coaching ranks because they're so fresh from the field have seen how everyone else did it and have like taken bits here, taken bits there. And they understand that Grabbing a like you said, grabbing a guy by the face mask and screaming in his face and spitting in his face while you talk isn't going to work for everyone. That might work for some guys, but it's not going to work for everyone. And, and these these coaches that are that are newer and 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 younger, I think they might understand that a little bit more than someone who's you know a lifer in their sixties, sixty five. Like again, not to bring up the NFL, but you look at a guy like Bruce Arians, who's the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, been a coach forever. He's out there calling out players and all that stuff in the media. You never see younger coaches kind of do that. No, no, you don't. And uh, <coughs> it's just, yeah, it's just the way it is. And you have to have a balance, right? You can't just be rainbows and sunshine all the time. No. And I think we have that. Like you said, Reinbold can, you know, yell he can tear down. a strip yeah. off a dude. Yeah. I've but, heard it. But it's not for no reason, right? It's yeah. like, and he can be. The cool, Jeff Reinbold's a very cool guy. Yeah. Like he can be that cool guy and he can be that angry guy. And I think that Orlando Steinhauer is very similar in that sense that, uh, you know, it, they know when to yell and when not to. So if you have that balance, I think you're going to be really successful. Uh, I think so too. Mike, that's it. That's kind of all we got to talk about today. Uh, 2021 is here. Do you feel to kind of close out here? Do you feel more enthusiastic that we're going to get CFL football this year? Less enthusiastic, or are you kind of the kind of even keel, even Steven, sort of the same you felt all last year? Or, or to see, because I'll admit, seeing all this stuff happen has got me chomping at the bit to to get back to this, and also makes me feel like we are going to get football this year. Yeah, I'm I'm confident that this is going to happen. Um, like we were talking before the show earlier, I'm not sure. You know, if it's going to be an 18-game schedule, you know, with the vaccines, some people, you know, some provinces provinces are earlier than others that they expect to get everyone vaccinated. Um, I think Alberta and BC is 
September or something like that. So maybe we see a shortened season. Um, maybe we see a whole season, but I do believe that there will be CFL football. And it does give me hope with, with all these signings and all these, you know, new stories that are coming out now for the CFL. And it's, uh, it's great to see because, you know, last year there's nothing you could do. Um, it, it, it was what it was, you know, it, it was a, it was a strange time. Um, they couldn't really do anything about it. I know that, uh, some things weren't handled very well, but that's another discussion. Uh, but yes, overall, I feel confident that uh, the league will be back on the field next year and we'll be watching some uh, some three-down football. And you're the most negative CFL fan I know, so if you think it's going to happen, of course right. it's going to happen. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I, it just has to. It just has to. It, like, they want to survive, um, and I do believe they will. You know, the CFL seems to have many lives. Uh, it's come back from... Uh, on death's doorstep many times. And I think that it's going to be fine this time around. And uh, yeah, my hopes are high right now, but you know, that could change in like an hour or so. <laughs> okay. So one last thing, Podsky curse usually hits us in the off season where we record an episode. Maybe we sit on it for a little, like maybe a day or so before we get it posted. And then something happens with the tie cats. That's like, Oh, we're, we're now we're behind the news. What's your, what's your prediction for, uh, for the Podsky curse? You, you saying uh, Mazzoli, Lawrence, Larry Dean is who, who you got coming back to the tie cats that is going to necessitate us going, well, we missed on that one because we recorded this too soon. Right. I'm going to pass on all those names and I'm going to say a couple offensive linemen because, uh, we got four big offensive linemen, free agents. Um, well not yet, but they potentially could be free agents. So I'm hoping we at least sign a couple of those guys, um, you know, before we come back next time. All right. Put your name on who you, who you saying then? I'm going to say Revenberg because uh, I think that he's one of the most important signings. I'm going to say Revenberg and uh, Van Zyl will be signed. And I know Van Zyl is getting up there in age. but And I know he got killed in the Grey Cup game, but uh, he's still a very, very, very good tackle. And he's um, a left tackle at that. And, and he's a Canadian. So, you know, I think those two will be signed shortly. Okay. I'm going to say – I'm going to say Simone. I think Simone Lawrence signs a contract before you and I, before this episode that we're recording right now gets posted. So that's, you're saying Revenberg and Van Zyl. I'll give you Revenberg and or Van Zyl. Either of them. Okay, that works. And I'll take Simone and, uh, hey, hopefully we're we're both right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm with you on the, the Lawrence thing too. I just can't. He's such a Tiger Cat that I just can't right? see can't him envision signing him in another somewhere uniform. else. No, but, you know, it's happened before, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right on this. Lawrence will be back with the Tiger Cats. He's just, uh, he's too Hamilton not to be. Yeah, it. it I, he's been posting on social media all through the, I say offseason, what normal offseason would be. He's always wearing Tiger Cat stuff. So I, I can't see him playing anywhere else. But yeah, no. that, that that's my shot. I'm calling that. Before this show gets posted, you're there's going to be a story about Simone Lawrence signing with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. All right. So that was Podsky Wee for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.